It's the next level. Rookie Anderson. Sir. How many people are observing you? Two. What can you tell me about the person I'm with? Male. Another judge. I can feel anger and control. But... There's something else, something behind the control, something almost. Okay, Anderson. Panels to Pixels. Dread 2012 Movie Review. Hey everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Mark. And I'm Steve. And this week we're reviewing Dread 2012, which is Judge Dread, uh, a movie based upon the comic book. But uh, we're not doing that Sylvester Stallone one. No, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, this is this uh, this is Judge Dread. For those that don't know, Judge Dread was a comic book that a uh, comic book character that was created in 1977 by John Wagner and Carlos Esquera. I hope I'm saying that that name right. Um, but they did this in 2012. They did this movie. Um, and it was just titled Dread, and the movie centers around obviously the lead character Dread, and he describes the city in the beginning as this this irradiated wasteland, and that the the basically the planet has been divided up into what they call these mega cities that have mega blocks and have like buildings where all the citizens pretty much live, work, and stay pretty much all the time. Um, it's there's a lot of chaos. But the law enforcement is handled by a system of – and they're like policemen, but they serve as judge, jury, and executioner all rolled into one. So the, the they're called judges, and their job is to – when they arrest somebody, basically they hand down the sentence and then send them off to jail or they execute them. Um, and Dread is probably one of the darkest, one of the most violent of the judges. But he's given this rookie who's named Cassandra Anderson, and she's a mutant. She has a psychic ability. She can read minds. And he brings her out on her first outing to kind of train her and assess her as a, jo- as a judge. And she gets one day. Uh, and it's an interesting process because once they go through judge school, apparently they have one day to either become a judge or not be a judge. And that's it. So they respond to a place called Peach Trees where three bodies have been discovered. As they're going through the building, they find a suspect for these murders. They want to interrogate him. But all of a sudden, they're locked into the building. And there's this drug that's been on the streets called slow-mo. And that's uh, kind of what the movie focuses on is is the distribution of this drug this drug that's supposed to slow down time for people. It's very addictive, and it's uh, it's the new crack basically. 
but uh, Dredd and Anderson find themselves in this building. They're they're trapped, and they have to battle their way through to get out uh, and find the information and get out of the building before they lose their lives. Uh, that's pretty much the plot of of the movie is them going through this building uh, and then trying to escape. The movie originally was filmed and marketed as a 3D movie, but Mark and I, the version we had was a 2D version. So it's one of those things that it's my probably my only complaint about 3D movies, especially when they when they convert them, uh, when you have to then bring them home and convert them to a 2D format is. You can tell there's certain scenes that played probably better in the theaters in a 3D kind of setting rather than – and you know we see this. If you, if you see any movies like um, – I'm trying to think of what, uh, what would be one recently, uh, the Meg, that, uh, that uh, gigantic shark movie – was was a 3D movie and and I'm sure that once it gets translated to 2D it's not going to have the same kind of impact that it had. So we have that that in this movie, but it's still a, a a decent movie. I would give it, you know, if I had to to score it and somebody wanted to know, I'd give it maybe, you know, three and a half, four stars yeah, out of I five. Would say the same. Actually I have the 3D Blu-ray and I played it on my PS3 last night just to see some of the 3D scenes and they do hold up because mm-hmm. i have a small 20 inch okay. uh playstation monitor that i have and it does 3d and they now, do, do you have to wear special glasses when you yes when you do that okay so you do have to have like 3d glasses okay yeah this this was an older 3d and mm-hmm. you have to remember too that this movie came out at the height where every movie studio was pushing oh, yeah. 3d and now they just automatically send things out there as 3D. I don't think they, like with Dark Knight, the Dark Knight, they actually filmed specifically in IMAX 3D for specific scenes. Right. And with what they do with a lot of the movies now is they just convert it to 3D. Mm-hmm. And they don't purposely film for 3D particularly. Yeah, because because you, you find you lose something in that translation when... When, when you do that and that's that was a problem with the early you know the early teens early 20 teens kind of thing you know that that whole say about 2007 2008 to about 2015 or so uh 2014 maybe the 3d movies were just huge and and like you said they were specifically filming scenes that were to be viewed in 3d so yep so i guess that brings us to our top five rookie judgment yes it does uh do you want to go first or shall i sure i'll start uh so my number five is uh, is that the opening scene this these the, the uh movie opens after we get judge uh dread's little monologue um it introduces us to dread we kind of see his tactics we see his weapons uh we see this drug slow-mo and uh we see that crime and violence are just they're just a kind of another day it's just uh, a routine kind of thing there in mega city one in fact he has this big shootout in the food court and then they make this announcement you know the food court will reopen in 30 minutes and <laughs> you're like there's like a, a machine that's mopping up the blood and uh we meet his 
rookie Anderson. And, and even though Judge Dredd, he doesn't want to train her because uh, technically she failed in the in the academy in the judge uh, academy, but the chief judge convinces him to go ahead and uh, and assess her anyway. Yeah, it seemed like it was pushed onto him to actually do that, and he seemed kind of grimacing about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, my number five would be the fact that Dredd has Anderson, and she can read thoughts and find the perps that committed the crime of tossing the guy off the building in the beginning. I, I love that, that, you know, she was able to figure out who it was just by reading a mind. I love that she can get into people's heads and figure out certain things. And that actually comes out later on in the movie, too, where on a scene that I particularly like. And she actually points it out in, in the, uh, uh, I guess, in One Police Plaza, if you would call it that, <laughs> uh, where... She she was asked to read who's in the room, and she talks about dread and how you know she's saying, "Oh, he's <laughs> aggressive, and he but he's you know very strict, and he, he's to the point." And then next thing you know, it's like, "Oh, and there's a dark side." Yeah, and that and fuels, it, yeah. and they cut him off. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to bring off. that up that, that she you know she says, but there's something underneath, and we don't hear what it is because the the chief judge kind of cuts her off at that point because she doesn't want to know whatever she's reading. Uh, of him, but uh, yeah, and I've got some more about that in, in uh, later on in my notes about Anderson in particular that that we'll get to later on. But yeah, that's uh, the the fact that she can read minds is an interesting, you know. It's and and we see it. It's it's uh, no, um, you know. There's other movies where you other movies and TV shows where you have the same kind of thing where you have a a cop that can read minds or can do that kind of thing, and, and sometimes it becomes a trope. But uh, I think this movie handled it really well. Yes, it did. So my number four is uh, just uh, I, I love this this plot. It's kind of standard. It's kind of formulaic. We've we've seen it in plenty of movies before. The idea of a person or a group and they're trapped in a building or they're trapped in some facility and they have to traverse through different levels uh, to escape. It's similar to the Warriors ha- trying to get through the different city blocks or, you know, even escape from Alcatraz where uh, snake Plissken is trying to get through the different blocks. Or if you watch the movie, the raid a few years ago, where it's, it's a cop by himself who's trapped in a, in a building and he's, he's trying to escape. Uh, I just love that, that kind of plot of that kind of movie kind of thing where you have the, it's kind of encapsulated into one, kind of area and they have to go through different levels uh to get out yeah definitely i was thinking of another i think it was training day that i was thinking of too because there's a betrayal in the movie Mm -hmm. and it's almost similar to that in some way or even the movie swat yeah yeah there's a little bit of that i could i could see that in in, you know training day especially like at the end when he's trying to get through when they're they're fighting each other through the different that neighborhood there yeah yeah. Definitely. So what was your number four? My number four would be the weapons they use. are They're only ID'd to them, specifically. I don't know if it was through DNA or not. They didn't really get involved, really, with that. But the weapons have various tactics and ammunition, different types, mm-hmm. like, like a grenade launcher. Like, in the very beginning, he shoots something like almost looks like a flare or a fireball. 
Yeah, he says he says hot shot. <laughs> yeah, hot shot. And then he and then you, you see something like flaming ball go into his mouth and just yeah. burns up his head. Uh, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Dread runs out of these, and when he is facing the other judges that are on the take from Mama, who's the big baddie. Yeah, I thought it was cool of how how much that weapon can hold in it, <laughs> just as like a, sl- a Swiss Army ar- uh, Swiss Army knife or something, but for guns. Yeah, there's that <laughs> scene where he's like he's like uh, uh, rapid fire, and it's like empty, and he's like this, and it's like empty, and he's like this, and it's like empty, and he's like high X, and it's like one round, and so he shoots <laughs> the the high explosive round at the guy, and then and then he takes the ammo off from the other judges after he he gets them so yeah uh i I like that those weapons are are pretty cool my number three i kind of started to mention a little bit uh is is just the character of anderson herself um i I noticed that i had to run it back a little bit in the scene she doesn't kill anyone in that first scene when they when they bust into that room there where they're where they're uh doing the drugs um dread you know there's there's one guy he's killed by flying debris from the door and then dread comes in and he shoots the others and anderson cuffs uh the one uh, the the one guy who committed the murders and and she reads his mind like you said earlier but the difference is she says he says how sure are you and and she goes oh i'm 99% and dread says well i can't we can't execute this guy on 99% so that's what really starts off the whole a uh, series of events, mm-hmm. you know, is the fact that they have this guy and they've got to take him back to interrogation. And, and so we see some more of her. And then, you know, the one guy that she does execute a little later in the movie, then she encounters the guy's family. So we get to see that kind of struggle within her realizing that she just executed, you know, this father who has a wife or a, whatever and a baby uh, in this, that's just tr- that now this this wife uh, and child are without a husband because she was the one who executed him. Uh, I thought that was that was interesting that we saw that we didn't it didn't really play out too much. They didn't spend a lot of time in it. They just gave us a, a good look at, at her and, and seeing her starting to understand the ramifications of her job and how important this is, you know. And it's it's the reason why we we don't have this today where we don't have people just going out on the street and deciding who is and who isn't guilty and executing them on the spot. Exactly. My number three would be how Anderson gets into the perp's head and he tries to do the same with her, Yeah, but then she turns (laughs) the tables on him. You know, he tries to be like as vulgar and just disgusting and to break her in some way, but she just turns the tables like it's nothing. Yeah. But, you know, he thought he could freak her out, but she knew better with Mama biting his member off Ooh. in his own head. Oh, and it, yeah. it's just like you got the feels as a, as a man with that, yeah. resulting in her finding out that peach trees is where they manufacture and distribute the drug. And... Plus breaking him so that, you know, so bad that he pees his pants while he's passed out on, you know, on his knees. Yeah. You just see a dribble out and it's like, how? wow, you know, that's that's girl power for you. That's woman power. <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is, is kind of uh, kind of the same thing I've got here for my number two. It's it's it, in that whole during that whole thing. 
um, as she's figuring out, Dredd also figures out that Mama doesn't want them to interrogate this guy because, you know, that's what really starts him or that's what gets Anderson to get into the guy's head to find out what information he has is because Dredd goes, well, if we had just executed on the spot, I bet we could have just walked out of here and we would have been fine. But yet um, – when he finds out that, uh, like you said, that peach trees is is where they're manufacturing, distributing uh, the drug, <laughs> I love that he just had one word: interesting. You know, <laughs> man, a few words. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So that would bring me to my number two. Your number two, yeah, yeah. Uh, that would be Judge Anderson's turn when she's faced to deal with things on her own, and then comes and saves Dread from the other judges, the ones that turned on them. Uh, that were on the take from Mama, especially when Dredd tells the other bad judge to wait. <laughs> and the guy is just like, Judge Dredd is telling me to wait? <laughs> what, he's cowering here? And and then Anderson just takes out the bad judge so easily from behind. Yeah. And, and you can see, and oddly enough, you could actually see how human he is in certain points. When they were getting flogged with a lot of gunpowder at one point and he's mm-hmm. running to meet her with the uh the perp or the dealer and he's like running and you could see almost like a bit of fear i don't know it was from carl urban as he was filming it because of all the explosions and everything but you could see some sort of uh human quality in the character itself especially yeah, well, when he's bleeding out and getting you know yeah around shot well, yeah, and, and we, we get that frustration that we see when he starts to kind of – when he starts to torture the guy to try to get information out of him, and Anderson stops him and says, wait a minute. I can just read his mind. you know. But we see that frustration in him kind of throwing the guy around and and stuff, um, which th- then you kind of brought up those corrupt judges, which that's my number one is these four corrupt judges that we have. And, you know, one, uh, he tells Mama to kill Anderson because he's like, we, we can't have her hanging around. And that's when we get to see, like you said about the gun, that the gun explodes and kills that one guy uh, been the suspect from the beginning, which is kind of anticlimactic. You know, I mean, they get the information from the guy. They find out that that, yeah, he's the one that actually did it. He, he skinned those guys and then threw them down. The building, and in fact, if you go back to the beginning, you know he's the one that suggests uh, giving the guys the slow mo injection to make it even ha- even worse yeah. on them as they're flying, because you know they they skin them alive and then throw them off the building with this little shot of this slow mo, mm-hmm. and it's just even more torturous. So um, you know, and then like you said, we get dread with his. Uh, uh, he's got to take them out one by one. Those Ander- those Andersons, those uh, those judges, and uh, well, I guess Anderson actually kills two of them herself, and he kills two. Mm-hmm. But uh, then he gets his Rambo Stitch kit out, and we get the the predator like doctoring scene of him. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he's got a hole all the way through him, and he's he's patching it up with glue and tape. You know, <laughs> and, and like these uh, staples that just clip together, and yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, that would bring me to my number one, which would be Anderson letting the hacker go that Mama was using mm-hmm. for her, you know, work with peach trees. Uh, the one that actually instituted, you know, the the gauge dropping, and you know, which you could tell led up to what Dred's assessment at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, she 
she showed that, you know, because she made mention, because well, that's an automatic fail, and mm-hmm. and that's also a felony, because he was, and she goes, well, what did, what did she say? She, she dropped She said, gun? I'm still a junk. Yeah, no, she said, she said, I, I, I failed. I think I had this down below uh, in my notes. She said, um, when he, when she lets, when she lets the guy go, he's like, what are you doing? She's like, well, I've already got an automatic fail because I lost my primary weapon, but I'm still a judge technically until you fail me. So I did my job by making a decision about this guy, by making the decision that he's a victim that even though yes he's committed crimes but he's even it's that his victim the victimization he experienced outweighs the crimes in her in her assessment and that's what as judges what they're supposed to do is make that assessment you know of whether you know how serious it, you know like the person who steals bread to feed to feed their family yeah you know that that kind of thing, and and so she, I I, I like that scene because she kind of looks at him and she goes, even though she knows she's going to fail, she says, well, but I'm still a judge right now, and so I'm still going to do my job because that's what you asked me to do. Yeah, and then she would give her a final evaluation at the end. Yeah, to, yeah. to prove uh, choose judgment, which is pretty cool. It, yeah, and it, I love that. It, plus, at the end, it was like just another day in Mega City for him <laughs> as he's walking out. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And was yeah exactly. And then I love the, you know, the, and this is kind of getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but you know, the end voiceover, we had him talking about the fact that mega city is still going on, but the silhouette of the figure we see walking out to her bike is Anderson mm-hmm. is, is we see her. So we see that when he tells the chief judge, she's a pass, he meant she's, she's okay to become a judge. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I would, you know, it's too bad that this movie didn't do well enough to get a sequel because I think it would have been cool to see how he he took the character even further if they they decided to take the the character even further. Yeah, it was a really cool movie overall. Very underrated for a Judge Dredd movie. Way, yeah, way better than a '90s Stallone film. That's oh sure. yeah, much better. Yeah, much better, much better. They they were supposed to do a sequel, and Carl Urban over the course of the years has been asked through Mm -hmm. social media and he keeps saying we want to we want to he goes i'm all for it but the first movie didn't make money and it's all about finding somebody to fund it and obviously we can't get something until somebody shows an interest to rebooting it or putting into it again right it's sad that we don't get that but this this would be considered one of those movies that kind of came and went at that time and then eventually you know, found its market or way through streaming apps and things of that nature or through cults. Uh, yeah. Because you yeah, had a well, hard time finding it at one point. I, I had a hard time finding Yeah, I wasn't going to, you know, I, I didn't really want to buy it um, because I couldn't really find it on disc anywhere. So, um, but uh, we've got some quotes here that uh, both of us, uh, kind of like so. Let's let's kind of go back and forth on these. Sure. Um, the first one I had was at the beginning when uh, uh, he's talking to the chief judge. She says, "Sink or swim, chuck her in the deep end," and he says, "It's all the deep end." <laughs> <laughs> that is pretty funny. When they first get the peach trees, was it Dredd and Anderson both see a vagrant sitting at the doors in between where it comes down, and he goes, "Rookie judgment." Anderson <laughs> goes, "Vagrancy." Three weeks in ISO cubes. 
and she you, says, yeah, and she and she adds, but our priority is murders. <laughs> <laughs> and then Dred's like, correct. Don't be here when we get back. Pointing to the vagrant, and uh, Dred to the bum, you know, by the, the you know by this huge massive opening of this huge door. Mm-hmm. You don't think anything of it. You think this thing's open all the time. But we see the bum get squashed from the major doors come down when lockdown comes into play. But before that, he that before it happened, Dread just points out because I warned you, you're heading for the cubes. Yeah. yeah. And then the door comes down. And it just squashes like, oh, him, no. Like a bug. It's so sad. Yeah. But that humor aspect of it, though. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, the other one I had here was uh, he, uh, she, she, she says, sir, a helmet wouldn't interfere with my psychic abilities. And he says a bullet might interfere with them more. Um, <laughs> and, you know, this is important because for those that, that have the comic book or read the comic book, you know that in the in the comics, Dread never removes his helmet. Mm-hmm. So uh, so it's a subtle as, as I watched it, I kind of chuckled because it wasn't just uh, this funny line about, well, a bullet's going to interfere more but it was also that idea that that he doesn't take his helmet off you know yeah. which was a big deal you mentioned about the the stallone movie was he took his helmet off yeah and in this one we never see carl urban without his without his helmet on yeah which i think is awesome because it gives a lot of mystique to the character mm-hmm. and they actually when they were created this character and i think it was in england that they they uh, that that this comic comes out when I was watching the documentary on the Blu-ray, hmm. and they wanted the mystique of like Clint Eastwood, but yeah, they didn't want to. They were like, we want that illusion where he just constantly is this person, and always you don't see his face. Mm-hmm. So I, I thought that was always a cool part of it. So, uh, my next one would be. How do you want it, kid? Body bags or juve cubes? <laughs> it makes no difference to me. And that's when he sees the kids in the hallway and they got the guns and he, you know, they make, they take the drop on them or something with their little handheld guns. And he, then when they were distracted, he just, he had <laughs> yeah, on I love it. He says, he says, how are you going to shoot me with the safety on? And so the kid looks at the gun, safety's not on. And that's when he takes that moment to pull his gun. And then he shoots him with the stun bullets, you know, because uh, he gets distracted again, because that's when she loses her primary weapon is the, the one guy breaks his restraints loose and takes, takes uh, Anderson hostage. Yeah. Um, so uh, the last one I had here was just the very end when they have Lena Hetty and they're trying to figure out what to do with her. And uh, uh, Anderson says something like, well, we don't want to kill her because she's got this bomb and it's going to go off. And he goes, well, she's guilty. We're judges. So <laughs> I just like that. That simple that, – that everything for him comes back to that, that simple of these are the rules – this is what's supposed to be done. But even from the beginning of the movie, we've seen he's asked to bend the rules. You know, she didn't technically, she didn't pass the judge Academy, but he's asked to bend the rules and let her, you know, let her get assessed or to assess her. And then at the end, when he passes her, even though she lost her primary weapon, which would be an automatic fail, you know? Um, So we see him kind of starting to lax on it a little bit. So I think that's why I say it would have been cool to kind of, uh, see the the a sequel to this or something more yeah just to get a little bit more and i and being a fan of the actual comic book myself mm-hmm. 
in the 80s, they actually had dark judges like Judge Death and all these other judges that were from the Wasteland area. Yeah. Where he gets stuck in. I would have loved to see something like that. Because with modern day effects, they could actually get away with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's something that's more comic booky, but it would have been really interesting to say. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, got any notes to add? Well, you know, well, the big one that you know and I know is uh, Lena Headey from Game of Thrones. Cersei Lannister yeah. is in the movie as Big Mama. Now, she still looks beautiful and great regardless of what they did to her teeth and her face <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and uh she's got that short hair like cersei has uh well at least th- where yeah. i'm at in game of thrones she still has the short hair yeah. so um really the only thing i have that we hadn't talked about uh, yet kind of that same kind of game of thrones references the the skinning of the bodies is kind of like the flayed men in uh in game of thrones i thought was interesting yeah and i could add to the extremes of how Mm-hmm. Mama goes through to go against Dread at one point because it's across it's across the building from because there's like a big bottomless or there's mm-hmm. a bottom, but from two sides of the building they're shooting across and she's got like this huge Gatling gun and it, you know just causes all this destruction and devastating and devastation throughout you know the that whole level and even sometimes down below. And taking out innocent people that are in that building because it's literally – it's almost like the projects if you think about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's just – that's where everybody lives. And it's a militarized you – know, a huge militarization or militarized zone mm-hmm. where they're battling out. Uh, the movie was as extreme as the comic was. Very over yeah. the top, which I think – why it didn't catch the regular public, it was still garnered with a a dark topic and tone. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is that that's how the comic was. But they threw in some comedic language. But, you know, I think it went over people's heads if they never read the comic. Yeah, it it definitely had a niche uh, audience, I think, um, that uh, that would have appreciated it. And and I know, like, I, I... I have one of the graphic novels, I think, in a trunk somewhere that I kept from the 80s. Um, you know, so I kind of knew about Judge Dredd and I had seen the Stallone movie. But I remember when this one came out, I don't remember what it was about it that just didn't, uh, you know, didn't didn't draw me in. So. I, I didn't go see it in the theater. I saw it advertised mm-hmm. like maybe once and then it came out on Blu-ray and I was like, let me pick this up because it's a comic book movie and I know what it yeah. is. And I heard some interesting things about it and I, I had to watch it. And when I did, I was like, well, why didn't this do well? And then after a few viewings, I realized that's why, because it was pretty much geared towards those fans that are out there of the comic. Yeah. And it was there. We made this up to you because of, Sylvester Stallone and what he did in the nineties. Yeah. And what, what was said to me was, uh, anthrax, uh, the band anthrax had a song called I am the law and they, oh. they had that in, I believe 86 for among the living. Uh, mm. and it was one of their biggest albums and, uh, it was one of their biggest songs too. And I always would read the comic as I'm listening to that album or whatever. And that would always just ring in my ear every time I would pick up a, a comic, even nowadays when I see it. 
see it on the racks because they still have Judge Dredd around. But, you know, I was just upset that they didn't have any of their music in this. But oddly enough and funny enough, they did it for the 90s Stallone movie, but they didn't put that song in there. They (laughs) wound up writing an original song at that time. And I'm like, why didn't they put (laughs) the one song that's meant for the movie in there? (laughs) So I don't know. But I, I thought it was interesting, but I I wish they would have uh, – maybe they weren't approached or maybe they weren't interested. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Very so cool. with the uh, comic talk, well, we finally got our Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. It dropped this week, and I think it looks awesome. But yeah, it looks, a it lot looks really of questions. good. <laughs> yeah, do you have questions? Because I got questions. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. My, my question is – uh, at the very end of the trailer, you see Mysterio there, and Pete's there, and he comes up to Pete, and he goes, you don't want to be any uh, involved in this in any way. And then he goes back and starts attacking what looks to be like Hydro. Mm-hmm. And is that Sandman we see in the back by the building that's all dusty and, you know, and then I, obviously I know that that's Hydro because... It's an elemental, or unless they created elementals, because we do see something that it's like a volcanic kind of guy. I'm like, what's going on with this? I I, I want to see this movie now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For me, the only thing that that really that I that I thought when I first saw it was, is it is it kind of? And I heard a thing today where they talk about that. I guess Far From Home is issuing in the Phase Four. Of the Marvel Cinematic Universe is what this is is supposed to be starting, but mm-hmm. is it a little spoilery? The fact that, uh, um, well, Spider Man, <laughs> he's alive, <laughs> and the Fury, um, yeah. you know. So is it is it a little spoiler, or you know, I mean, really, honestly, and I, I'll just, is it really a spoiler to know that some of them are going to survive? I mean, we. That's probably the biggest question going into Avengers Endgame is not who's going to survive, it's who's not going to survive. That, I think, is the is the biggest spoiler and the biggest uh, thing that they need to try to keep under wraps. I think is, they are, because there was no alluding to really Tony. You don't see Tony Stark. Yeah. You don't hear anything about because, mm-hmm. you know, come on, Stark gave him that suit. So, and all we see is happy. right. So, uh, and, but you know, it's pretty funny that Happy was hitting on Aunt May. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like Marissa Tomei, you know. <laughs> yeah, but I, I really enjoyed it. I want to see more. Obviously, we're going to get dropped more and more yeah. trailers as uh, July approaches. So, yeah, got a lot of stuff coming up. Yeah, it's exciting. so much. We already talked about some of this, but <laughs> mm-hmm. but um. I kind of put that next week in the wrong spot, I think. But um, so, what are we going to do next week, Mark? Well, uh, you're going to be going to see Glass, and I was looking to go see Aquaman. So I'm off next Thursday. So I actually might go to the movies that morning and try to go see both. <laughs> yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to see Glass. I've got tickets to go see Glass, and I may, uh, depending on what the weather does here, I may try to see Aquaman. So I've got some uh, uh, some things to say about uh, that as well. But right now, uh, we will be covering. So next week, we will be covering the movies Glass and Aquaman in uh, a quick kind of review fashion. Mm-hmm. But 
Then starting the week after that, we will be back into The Punisher Season 2. It drops tonight. We are recording this on January 17th. And I believe midnight tonight is when Punisher Season 2 will will drop. And I uh, I may stay up to watch those first, uh, <laughs> first, first episode at least uh, at midnight. Um, but uh, why don't we tell people how we're going to review uh, Punisher Season 2. What, what do you want to do? I guess we, could, we haven't really talked about this. Do we want to do one episode a week or stick to two episodes a week? We should really stick just to two episodes a week and do the <laughs> penultimate episode of, what is it, 13? Yeah, so I think, we'll it, I the think 13th it's 13th one. So. You know, as one whole one, and we'll go into what we could possibly do, and I'm pretty sure something's going to come out that we're interested in and talking yeah. about at that yeah. time. And, and yeah, exactly, because we're still waiting for Jessica Jones Season 3 to drop, and we haven't reviewed Jessica Jones Season 2 yet, so... yeah. Uh, so for sure. So so that's uh, be ready if if you're going to be staying up late tonight to watch. Uh, I don't know when you're going to hear this because <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're going to stay up and and watch uh, Punisher season two with us, come back and drop us some feedback on our Facebook page and let us know what you thought of panel of uh, the Punisher season two yeah. here in a couple weeks. Yeah, and what we'll do is we'll drop a few hints in the Facebook page as well. Saying, please leave your feedback. We'll throw a little image on there. Give us your thoughts. First two episodes, please. Uh, if you want to binge the whole thing like I have to do this weekend, don't. <laughs> yeah, no, do it. Do it. Do yeah. it. You know, go out there and do it. But don't be spoilery with your future episodes. Uh, just do the first two. It'd be great. Because we be cool. love everybody's feedback. And, you know, send a voicemail if you need to. You could email that to us. Uh, everybody has that opportunity through their phone. And I could download it easily. Um, and also, you know, like I said, the Facebook as well. So those are the best two ways to get in touch with us. And you can send those voicemails and emails to panels to pixels one at gmail.com. That's panels to pixels one. The two is spelled out T O, and the one is the number one at gmail.com. And like I said, the Facebook, which would be found at www.facebook.com slash panels2pixels. Very cool. So where else every, can everybody else hear us? Well, you can hear me. I send various feedbacks uh, to different podcasts. And uh, there should be, I think, it just dropped the uh, on Golden Spiral Media, the... Star Trek Disco- Star Trek Discovery talk through season two roundtable um, preview <laughs> just dropped, I believe, and I am on that podcast. I am a co-host on the Walking Dead talk through with Brian Malosh on Golden Spiral Media, so we're gearing up for which would be Walking Dead season nine, part B. Yeah, and coming up here in a couple weeks, right? Two three weeks. Yeah, definitely, and it's going to be really, really good. I have a few predictions, so if you guys want to throw in some predictions down, you can. <laughs> we could, well, I'll bring them over to uh, to the Walking Dead talk there if you want and read them out, because uh, the more the merrier. Sounds good. Yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. I am Mark, and I'm Steve, and this was Panels and Pixels. Everybody, good night. Good night. City One.
800 million people living in the ruin of the old world and the megastructures of the new one. Only one thing fighting for order in the chaos. Judges.